You're listening to the We Lead Well podcast, where well-being matters. The show is brought to you in partnership with Progressive Masculinity and HeadTeacherChat.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the We Lead Well podcast. I'm Vicky Maguire. I'm an education and leadership coach. I work with schools in lots of different ways to support them through coaching. If you are thinking about coaching or you'd like to explore what coaching might bring to you, your career, your leadership or your school, please do get in touch with me. It's vicky at weleadwell.co.uk or you can go to the website at www.weleadwell.co.uk to find out more about what I offer. Today, I am so happy and excited to tell you that we have a conversation with Kate Smith. I've been trying to get Kate on the show for so long as I think the work that she does is just brilliant. And I finally managed to pin her down and get her to join me. Um, So it's a great, great conversation that we had. Kate worked in education for 15 years. She was a deputy head and she was a co-head teacher in Oxfordshire and from this she's moved into coaching so she coaches school leaders she does work with female school leaders and she really focuses on emotional well-being and values-led leadership she joined heads up for head teachers which she tells all about in the conversation as a head teacher who at the time was looking for support so she can very much empathize and identify with those who are currently reaching out for support to heads up for head teachers. She speaks with a lot of passion and knowledge and expertise on emotional well-being and intentional well-being and values-led leadership. So I'm sure that you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Here she is, Kate Smith. Kate Smith, welcome to the We Lead Well podcast. How are you? Hi Vicky, nice to see you. It's brilliant to have you on. I've been desperate for you to come on for ages and we finally managed to I think we had a couple of children's shows and like other things got in the way assembly that was it assembly and it got in the way didn't it but we're here but kids come first family family first always that's what I say yeah I say that too yeah so can you introduce yourself to the listener and just tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do in the RLE style I suppose yeah absolutely. <laughs> I know now I always challenge myself when I do my introductions not to introduce myself with my job title I save that bit to last so uh, a little bit about me then I would always describe myself as a, as a values-led leader um, and I share with people that my my core values are love authenticity and connection uh, and I hold myself to that Uh, And what I do is coaching. So I am now a coach and also a network leader for the Heads Up for Head Teachers community. Um, And I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it's uh, a community of head teachers across the UK and beyond, which is rather exciting. Yes. So you're going going, uh, for the world, are you? extending world domination (laughs) yeah we're building an empire here we're gonna have we've decided we're gonna have a heads up for head teachers down under because when we started people are reaching out though vicky from all over i think the the challenges that head teachers are facing in the uk are not unique to the uk after all so it's interesting that we're having lots of heads from uh, australia india america just reaching out and saying Oh, I see what you're doing there. I wonder if I can talk to you about the, the issues that we're facing too. It's, it's so demanding at the moment, isn't it, education? I think like the whole world has been through the pandemic, hasn't it? And it's been a really difficult, stressful time for head teachers. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, I suppose we sort of, my stepson said the other day, is there even such thing as COVID anymore? <laughs> but I think schools schools have felt they've still felt it haven't they like right up until the end of last term they've been feeling the pressure yeah I remember coaching I mean I coached head teachers all through the pandemic it was what I went into when I left my own headship but um and as stressful as it was when they were 
in school and you'd got key workers and children from home and all of that stressful stuff was going on. But actually, even sort of three months ago when I was coaching her teachers, they were still stressed and worrying about the impact that COVID had had. And you even see surges in schools of COVID again that aren't mm. reported but the impact that that has on the staffing in the schools and then the stress on the leaders of the schools in fact in everyone the teachers the parents you know leaders are still enduring that we just don't know about it because they're so bloody hardcore they just keep on going um but the issues are still there on top of the the specific issues that head teachers face anyway well they we all know that they're huge anyway aren't they you know i suppose mm -hmm. just Ofsted and the I've got perimenopausal brain fog I say this on the show often I can't remember <laughs> like phrases and words that are very simple but um high stakes mm -hmm. accountability I think was the phrase I was looking for has been yeah, a, yeah. A, it's had a huge impact hasn't it I was reading something that said I think out of um I think they interviewed 2,000 assistant heads and deputy heads 58 percent said they had no it might even have been more than that, had no interest in being a head teacher. Yeah, I know. If you look at the recent research, I mean, I think The Guardian put something out recently about the percentage of head teachers that are hoping to leave their role once they've, I mean, quote, seen uh, their schools through COVID. And there is going to be a massive issue sooner or later. And we know because in one way, the Heads Up for Head Teachers Network is thriving because head teachers are reaching out for support and community but actually that's problematic isn't it because it's mm. you know it's reflective of what's going on in schools and what's not going on in terms of supporting people doing this job yeah so you were a head teacher how did how did you end up a head teacher what was your sort of career pathway oh I always say I was, a, was an accidental head teacher <laughs> so I was I was in education for 15 years I worked in one school for nine years from an NQT to assistant head teacher. I took on a deputy headship and then a, a co-deputy headship. Um, and when I left that, I was approached by somebody who was looking to do a co-headship. And so we took on a school together in Oxfordshire um, for 16 months. And for many reasons, this job didn't suit me. Um, and in the end, I decided to step out and do some more intentional work supporting other leaders and other head teachers with their emotional well-being, because that's the one realisation that I had during my time as a head teacher, is that there is just such a lack of support for heads in terms of emotional, spiritual, well-being, mental health support. Um, and that sort of led me to do the coaching work that I do now. And interestingly, I joined Heads Up for Head Teachers as a head teacher that was having a really tough time. And so I was very keen when I stepped out of my headship to gift back to the community that had lifted me up and guided me through um, a difficult time in my role. Um, that's, you know that resonates with me because my my I feel like my purpose is to try to help people not women leaders not to get to the point that I got to have have burnout in my deputy head role so like I said to you before I did always have the intention of becoming a head teacher um yeah. I didn't I didn't get there but <laughs> I'm doing something different now um but so you mentioned Heads Up for Head Teachers then. So can you tell us about that? What were the reasons that was set up? I think you sort of alluded to that anyway. But what work do you do currently in that organisation? Well, Heads Up started long before I joined it. And actually, our lovely founder, James Pope, um, who was a head teacher, executive head teacher, took part in a BBC Two documentary back in 2018 um, and the documentary followed a number of head teachers across the UK um, to highlight I think the, the challenges and the problems that schools and head teachers were facing um, and during the filming of this program actually James resigned from his post right. and what happened after that were as he was reached out to from lots and lots of head teachers and leaders that 
resonated with his situation okay and they reached out and said actually I'm finding this really hard I've seen you on the tv I understand where you're coming from I've got this issue I've got this challenge my school's in a deficit I've got staffing issues and actually he started to provide just phone calls chats coffee mornings where he could just listen and support and realize that actually he wasn't alone those people are not alone but everybody feels like they are the only one that is facing these issues um, and so he started to connect people together on virtual coffee mornings. By this time, it was mid-pandemic, I think. Mm. And uh, soon after I joined and then realised that actually there is a huge power in being able to connect people who are having similar experiences. And the insights that we gained from holding these spaces for head teachers was that there are some really tragic themes coming out again and again and again so firstly you've got as you mentioned this sort of high stakes accountability system that I always refer to as a toxic accountability mm. system you know and the pressures for head teachers are just insane the level of responsibility and accountability um, they just weigh so so heavy and often school improvement is really masked it's not school improvement at all it's an accountability system and it's a high pressure system to work in mm. um, and so that along with a few other things we just identified head teachers really need support with so a lot of what we do now is campaigning for support for head teachers so that they are fully supported emotionally from the time that they step into their headship and throughout their entire career because Often you're allocated a, a mentor or a coach when you step into your first headship. And then that just fizzles out as if you're not, you know, you don't need that anymore. You've had 12 months, you know, it's about yeah. to fire and off you go. But the reality is it's very different. You've got people who have been doing this job for 17, 18 years who still wake up at night worrying, who still suffer with imposter syndrome, you know, and it's because they care very deeply about their community. They're always trying to balance that with their own well-being and the expectations on them uh, and working in that toxic accountability system. So what services do you provide for, for head teachers then? I know you talked about the coffee mornings and, and you said that you do coaching, don't you? So do you do, I, I agree with you that <laughs> head teachers have a coach for a year and then, then there's nothing. And I think, some people say coaching is something that's short term whereas mentoring is long term but I, I disagree with that because I think coaching provides a space that you need regularly for reflection on where you are and where you want to go next and I don't think it sort of comes to an end point where you go okay now you've achieved all your goals the coaching's finished <laughs> but we're never it's there quite, no we're it's quite there. cyclical isn't it yeah so I know you you offer sort of coaching that sort of follows on from that Mm. Well, we offer several things um, and, you know, what we, we are known for really is our peer support work where we bring head teachers together, bring like minded folk together and make connections between them on these themes. Um, and we try and challenge the, the, the competition that you can have between schools as well. So actually, yeah. when we bring people together in our coffee mornings, in our drinks evenings, in our book clubs, in our coaching sessions, we're saying we meet here as humans first, humans before head teachers, because actually when you can connect with another person as a human being and not a potential um, competitor or somebody that you feel that you can't be yourself with, you're more likely to make a connection and therefore be able to reach out to that person, pick up the phone, say, I'm struggling with this. Have you got time to listen? Um, so I would say the services that we offer are really about providing safe spaces for head teachers to just be their authentic selves, talk about the challenges that they don't feel like they can talk about with their chairs of governors or with the, you know, in a local authority partnership meeting. Um, and we offer coaching programs as well that are specifically for head teachers in local authorities. And this is funded by the local authority. So luckily, there are lots of LAs out there that are really prioritising head teacher well-being. Mm. And so they reach out to us and say, can you run this six week programme with a group of our head teachers? 
and then we make connections between them we do some well-being coaching for six weeks and then we support them in sustaining that same kind of culture and then they continue to run their coaching sessions themselves that sounds that sounds amazing I was I think we were talking before we started recording and I think one of the reasons I didn't probably want to go into headship was I felt like it would be lonely and Mm. you know I mean I think it's been all through my career when you're a leader in a school it can be lonely because everybody's in their classrooms all the time you're you're leading and sometimes there's not a lot of connection going on is there and then when you get onto a senior leadership team you don't have you don't build the same sorts of friendships with staff do you and no no you don't for many reasons and that comes up all the time Vicky people say it's such a lonely job and it's crazy because you know you're surrounded by people you have your children your staff your community but it you know that loneliness doesn't come from you know lack of interaction the loneliness comes from not being able to reach out and talk openly and honestly about the struggles that you're facing because you're keeping it in and you're hiding how difficult it is or what you're finding difficult about your job. Um, And if you talk to head teachers about what really makes them tick, it's, it's what you were just saying. It's all about the connection and it's all about the relationships. And the struggle is that there's so much operational stuff to deal with as a head teacher that it pulls you away from being strategic Mm. and it pulls you away perhaps from building those relationships and be feeling like you're connected with your staff your children and your community and then there's a bit of a disconnect between why you're actually doing what you're doing (laughs) I'm interested actually because going right back to the start and you described yourself as a values-led leader and authenticity is one of my core values as well I would say and something that I really struggled with in the last role that I did I felt like I couldn't be authentically me in the Mm. place I was because I think my values were so different from the values of of the head and I'm wondering whether do some of the the struggles and the challenges that head teachers face come from the fact that they feel like they can't be authentic in in the role that they're doing because of that toxic culture? I think there are so many expectations on head teachers and one of them is to look and behave a certain way. So if you think about heads, you think about a specific type of person, but actually this is not true. And I think it's a real barrier for people turning up to be their authentic selves at work because they feel like they have to adhere to certain policies, behave in certain ways, toe the party line, you know, lots of head teachers that are working in maps feel disconnected from the the values of their map, but they know the value that they can add to their school and their community. So there's a bit of a disconnection. Um, A lot of the coaching that we do helps people to sort of reconnect with their purpose. And part of reconnecting with your purpose is rediscovering your values and why why you're doing what you're doing and how you can live your values in your role despite all the the crazy challenges and expectations that are put upon you it's it's a difficult balance to strike isn't it and I find that you know often discussions that are having coaching sessions are people who say you know the personal and the professional and being able to draw that line whilst also creating connections with staff and I think it's like you're saying sometimes I think there's an old or traditional sort of idea of a leader and what a leader should be and it's cold and closed off and making all the decisions and leading sort of from the top Mm. where I think a lot a lot of school leaders now want to lead in a different way don't they Mm-hmm. yeah and, I completely agree I think a lot of this to do is is knowing when to be vulnerable with people because yeah. I believe that you make the best connections with people when you share your true self with them and you can be authentic and be quite vulnerable but you know that's a dangerous game isn't it in headship because if you share that actually you're struggling or you're finding something difficult then there's always somebody to say "Mm, is this a capability issue and you know um and that happens a lot that you know we wouldn't exist if that didn't happen um sadly so I think it's really important for people to be vulnerable and I always say that the best leaders know when to be vulnerable but who to be vulnerable with and that's why it's so important to have 
a support network around you that you can trust, that you can be yourself with, that you can share, you know, your challenges with when it's when it's when times are hard. One of the things you talked about as well is in terms of sort of well-being for head teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think in a conversation that we've had prior to this interview, you talked about intentional well-being. Can mm-hmm. you tell me what that means? And like how can someone engage in the process of intentional well-being I've got a sort of idea what it probably is but Mm. can you just describe it to us this is a phrase that we use all the time at Heads Up for Head Teachers and in our coaching so the idea behind intentional well-being is that you are being proactive as opposed to being reactive and a lot of people join our network at the point where they are about to burn out or they are already in a crisis and what we're saying and what we really hope for other head teachers and leaders to learn is that if you start being intentional about your well-being when you're doing all right then you're more likely to continue doing all right and then subsequently perhaps even thriving So what we do is we get people to look at what really drives them, um, what makes them tick beyond their identity as a head teacher and what support they need in their role as a head teacher and be really proactive about putting that in place. So because a lot of people do reach burnout, when they reflect back after they've sort of recovered somewhat and healed somewhat from that traumatic experience, they often will say, I wish I'd done this, or I wish I'd changed my course of direction, or why did I allow that to happen? So, you know, coaching is a very good example. If you recognise that you need somebody to talk to about something, you know, get that in place. Don't wait for the moment when you're having a a breakdown to decide that you need a coach. You know, if you recognise that it's the connection that drives you in your school, Be intentional about getting out and about on your school site and touching base with the staff and the kids. If you recognise that you're a better leader when you're well rested and rejuvenated, then make sure that you've got lovely things planned in in the holidays and time to sleep, time to eat well and eating well. That's another one. You know, people are more likely to crash and burn uh, when they're not fueling themselves properly. And the amount of head teachers that we speak to will say, you know, I fuel myself on coffee and Jaffa cakes because they don't make time to sit down during the school day and, and eat well. And of course, you can't lead well, can you, when you're not fueling your, your body and you're not f- fueling your mind. So when we talk about intentional well-being, we're trying to get head teachers to think about the, the things that will fuel them as leaders, the things that will nourish them as leaders and do those things proactively, uh, you know, as just part and parcel of, of their being. And I suppose it's also about being a role model in that for staff in your school, isn't it? That, you know, it yes, it, it is the responsibility of an organisation to take care of the well-being of their staff. But I think it's also a responsibility of the organisation to help staff to take responsibility for themselves in terms of their well-being. And I suppose your first port of call is a head teacher who intentionally looks after their own well-being. I think the difficulty that you get in a lot of schools, and I'll have mentioned this on the podcast before, is when I, it's about knowing what your needs are, isn't it? It's knowing what you need to be well and to keep mentally well and to keep fit and healthy and be in the best position to do the job to the best of your ability. And I know that I need to have a break and something to eat in the in the mid, middle point of the day otherwise I'm just I'm not not up to anything in the afternoon and when I said in an SLT meeting well you know someone was having lunch at three o'clock or whatever and I said I need to have my lunch at, at lunchtime so I mean it was a rush lunch mm. was at 10 past one and at one o'clock I'd be running down to the canteen they'd made me a salad I'd be running back to my office trying to shovel down my salad and think oh have a 10 minute break and yeah. then be out on duty and when I said in that SLT meeting I need to sort of just have a little break and sit down honestly they looked at me like I had three heads as if to say you actually you sit down and you have something to eat I mean seriously you should be out there and I don't have and then it was a round of 
like the race to the bottom. I don't, I don't get my, sometimes I don't get my lunch until four o'clock or, you know, I don't have, and I just thought, and you really what is to, happening here? Well, it starts. And, you know, what we do is try and gently challenge people on that kind of attitude and behaviour. Yeah. Because, you know, this isn't a race to be the one that leaves the school at the latest hour or the one that eats the least during the school day. But there are people out there who hold that belief and it really infects other people because once you start worrying about the opinion of others, you really hold yourself back and you can't actually do the things that you want to do through fear that other people will judge. And, you know, I always say people are going to judge regardless, you know? So if you turn up at nine o'clock for work because that suits you and your childcare and your lifestyle, then that's fine for you because you know yourself best. But people don't do it. And when I say, well, why aren't you doing that if you know that you need to do that and work in that way? Oh, because I'm worried about what such and such will say. I'm worried that the parents will see me coming in and make a judgment. They will regardless, but you have to do what's right for you. Otherwise, you're just dancing to someone else's drum and you can't, you know, you won't thrive. And it's hard, isn't it, to have that that confidence and that courage. One of the other things I talk about is that, you know, I had to be here to see my children onto the bus when I separated from my husband, because if I didn't, there's a litany of calls I don't know where this is I've not got any trousers or you know I don't know where my but I've lost my bus pass where's this where's that so I had to just be here till 10 to 8 to see them on the bus and then go to work and I would be walking into our SLT meeting at 10 past 8 and you're right I felt like I'm, I'm the last one here everybody's looking at me as if to say oh here she is walking in on the last minute again and it's hard isn't it it's that we in a lot of ways, we put the pressure on ourselves, don't we? We're, yeah. we're the ones who have the, I was talking to Julie Reese about the saboteurs before that, the, the, oh, yeah. the judging saboteur who's going, see, everybody thinks that you're, now they'll think you're on the last minute and you don't care about this. And, you, and, and we're our own worst enemy in that, aren't we? Yeah, we absolutely are. We absolutely are. Or the victim saboteur as well sometimes raises its head too. My saboteur is the restless saboteur. <laughs> <That's me. laughs> I'm always restless, restless to be doing more, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think as well, when you're in that toxic environment, it is very easy to take the victim to become the victim. And I would never, ever have described myself as a victim. But I think in some respects, I felt sorry for myself. I started to feel really sorry for myself and I'm so hard done to and you know this is all awful and I and and I did I, I became the victim I look back and think wow that's not like me at all but I mean it was the circumstances that led to that but yeah, of course and I think you know it's it's you have to be intentional about not losing the joy of the job because you know leadership and working in schools is incredible because it's such a wonderful environment to work in you're surrounded by amazing things that are happening all day you know all along all day but you become disconnected to them so you have to remain intentional because otherwise you'll just be pulled into that operational stuff that perhaps is less fulfilling and less perhaps purposeful but you know you've got to nourish your own soul as well and it's a privilege to be a head teacher and it's a privilege to work in school. So you've got to remain um, you know, very positive about that and look for the joy in the job. Look, look for what makes you smile every day and celebrate the good stuff that's going on because it often goes unrecognised. Before we hear more from Kate, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our partner, Head Teacher Chat. Head Teacher Chat discusses lots of topics from how to support pupils with learning, how to support parents and the many issues that come with leading a school. The aim of Headteacher Chat is to support headteachers and school leaders who are in a challenging and often lonely role. They do this by offering lots of information for schools to tap into. For example, they have lots of fantastic education companies on their database for leaders to discover, as well as leadership templates to download. They've written product reviews for leaders who are looking for products for their school. And this year, they've even launched the very first School Leader Planner, especially designed to help leaders to be productive and organised. If you'd like to hear more about Head Teacher Chat, you can find them on their website at www.headteacherchat.com. Head Teacher Chat. It's what head teachers are talking about. Now let's get back to the interview. Coaching can bring you back to that, can't it? Absolutely. Coaching brings you back to that values-led, you yes. know, 
where where is the joy in this rather than being bogged down in like you're talking about in the I mean you referred to it in terms of intentional well-being and proact being proactive rather than reactive but I think that is the nature of lots of schools isn't it they're they're reactive places where operational things take over and the strategy sort of goes out of the window you do your strategic mm. intent at the start of the year the school improvement plan and in some places nobody looks at it again you know there's I a know. governor's meeting and nice be... it, you? you know yeah that's the, the essence of what you do in schools you have your vision for your community and you have your values that you want everybody to to live by and then you have an incredible creative curriculum for them but you know it's easy to lose sight of all the fun stuff isn't it when you're drawn into it so that's what we mean about being intentional looking for the stuff that you love and making sure that you're doing that work in your school day making connections with people working on the projects that you want to work on and actually if there's things that you don't enjoy doing or you're not good at doing you're not good at doing then maybe let's talk about that as well and see what ways we can work around that yeah but it is that space to talk about those things isn't it and identify those things and be really like just be clear about it because sometimes when you were just in the fog of the day-to-day like that coaching space can just give you that ability to see things a bit more clearly can't it and actually be put a bit more of a like because you can people can get down it can sort of pull you back can't it and be like come on let's see this yeah well it's you know part of coaching is helping people to see things from a different perspective perhaps and um you know we as a coach you know we have our strategies and our techniques to help people to see things in a different light and you know we both know that the job is incredible but it's not incredible if you're not enjoying it it's not incredible if it's the wrong place to work and so it's just helping people to see that there are other options and other ways of doing things um and ultimately you need to make changes if you want things to change that's what coaching is about helping people see that they can make some positive changes too and small changes as well that will make a big difference one of the things that i think sometimes prevents leaders from being the best leaders they can be is the self-limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. i um I run a, a women leaders group coaching program and I know you you've run something similar as well and one of the elements of the program that I do is identifying the beliefs that we have about ourselves that hold us back you know the things that are stopping us from being the best that we can be um, yeah. and I know like you focus on that in your coaching so can you tell us a bit more about self-limiting beliefs and how they hold us back and how we can work to I suppose this is where Play my, this is where my yeah. yes this is where my perimenopausal brain comes in I'm like again. what's right. the word I'm looking that's for it's just not there <laughs> that's okay no I'm, I think we're on the same page with this and you and I both work with lots of women leaders although I don't think these self-limiting beliefs are just limited to females but no, I just think no. fem- females or those identifying as being female are more likely to open up about their challenges than perhaps men are um but yes self-limiting beliefs then really they simply put they are limiting beliefs beliefs that you hold about yourself or the way that the world works um that stop you doing the things that you want to do or being the person that you want to be um and what I like to do in my coaching sessions is delve a little quite quite deep into where do those beliefs come from uh why do you hold them and then work through okay how do we reframe this what's the evidence for this how can we rewrite the narrative and make a positive affirmation around this and and write a new positive narrative because you know when you hold self-limiting beliefs it's a constant diet of negativity that you're feeding yourself that stops you becoming who you want to be or doing what you want to do and I think in terms of leadership there are a lot of people that hold self-limiting beliefs about what they are able to achieve and what they want to do and the most striking one I think for head teachers is the the imposter syndrome that they face in, in which they really believe that they're not actually capable or worthy of doing the job in the first place and that somebody sooner or later is going to tap them on the shoulder and say, seriously, you, 
lead in a school come on now move on and that's what you know that's what we're mm-hmm. talking about and people again people that have done this job for years and years and years are still feeling it the same they're still feeling like an imposter in their own schools um so I do I do really enjoy working on self-limiting beliefs and breaking it down and it's very interesting where you talk to people about where have their beliefs come from you know some of these are really rooted in their upbringing their culture their religion but also just perspectives of other people and the fear of what other people might think are really driving people's belief systems um and you know we become we become our brains become wired to think in this way because we're constantly repeating this negative narrative i can't do this my classic one personally is i'm not a good public speaker now in the role that i do which involves a lot of coaching a lot of forward-facing facilitation it's really not very helpful to think that you're not good at what you do (laughs) so i've done a lot of work on on really breaking that down you know looking at the evidence why do why where does this come from kate why do you feel like you're not good at this and i think i've had a couple of bad experiences when i've done um uh, sort sort of public speaking in schools presenting to large audiences and really really cocking it up forgetting what I was going to say or stuttering or getting a little bit shaky and it's panicked me and so my belief system is set up on this kind of foundation that when I public speak or when I speak publicly I will end up stuttering or sweating or stumbling or not being able to deliver the message that I want to deliver and actually that's based on just a couple of experiences the reality is quite different because I do a lot of public speaking on a smaller scale but I do that you know five days a week I spend a lot of time on zoom I don't know my <laughs> um you know and those are forward-facing things I facilitate workshops to groups of women and and to leaders and they always go well you know the evidence that I am a a good public speaker is also there I just choose to ignore it because actually the problem is the more you feed yourself the negative the more it just becomes your go-to it's your default you know whether you even believe it or not so I'm really teaching myself to listen to the positive feedback that I get to sit with the feeling of relief and elation after I've completed something uh, you know when I've done some public speaking and that sort of helps me to rewrite the narrative and base it on the positive evidence that I've got there as well so it's quite an interesting process it's a very long process um, it is isn't it it's not something that you can just wave a magic wand and and solve yeah. because the beliefs are so deep rooted sometimes aren't they that yeah you know, if you've got yeah. a belief about yourself that goes back to something that happened in your childhood yes and this is why I think with coaching it, it is a long it can be a long process sometimes because it does take a long time to change your thought patterns and and to change those beliefs yeah, can't just overnight say think positively no you can't you've got to learn how to do it we all like to think that we think positively we all like to think that we're positive people but we also all tell ourselves these ridiculous narratives and you know 90 percent of what we tell ourselves is probably not true anyway you know when you retell a story about something you tend to exaggerate it or add some different detail or even just the tone of the voice that you're talking about it can imply that it was something that it wasn't and we just do this constantly and then the problem is we start believing that that's what it was that that was the experience if somebody asked me about my experience of headship you know it's very easy to over dramatize or under you know yeah you have to be very truthful in what you're saying to other people but you have to be truthful in what you're saying to yourself as well um it's a very interesting one to coach on although you can you know you can coach with people and teach them strategies to change behaviors very very quickly but I think learning to change your self-limiting beliefs is a long haul process yeah I I agree with that I think as well we look for we tend to I think what coaching can do is help you look for the evidence that the beliefs you know are not true 
because yeah. we spend a lot of time looking for evidence that the beliefs are true. So, for example, if, if I'm doing a, a session on Zoom, I'll be looking at people's faces and there might be all of them might be like, oh, yes, yes, yes. One person who's going mm. and my head goes, see, you're not very good at this. Yes. They're, they're not enjoying the session. It's rubbish. And, you know, you may as well stop doing this because no. And, and it's just that based on that one person who's potentially just thinking about what I'm saying yeah. and like just concentrating on it. But I'll yeah. zoom in on that person and start telling myself, like doing all sorts of thought projection on them, or they must be thinking this, or they must be thinking that. And, yeah. and it, it's. <laughs> we focus on that one person when, you know, the 99 other people in the yeah. room have a fabulous time. Yeah. We're all the same. We are all the same. Head teachers do this too. If you send out a well being survey and the overwhelming majority of it is positive. <laughs> the one outlier who's had a bad day then that's all they can focus on so coaching is about teaching people firstly so what so what if somebody was miserable in your session so what if somebody wrote some negative feedback on your well-being service so what and what's the impact of that is it going to have a really negative impact or can we help you to become more resilient in your leadership and you know step over those things and uh, and so forth but, you know, it's very human, isn't it, to focus on the negative. It really is. It and takes a lot of work to get around it. You mentioned their resilience and developing resilience, so you don't, like, take those things to heart so much. And I was thinking then as well about developing mantras, and I'm always banking on about the hourly. People who listen to the podcast probably are like, oh, God, here she goes again with her resilient leaders elements. <laughs> But I, I just really believe so passionately in it that I, I, I talk about it all the time. Um, what do you love about the RLE? Oh, I love the mantras too. Um, would you like to hear mine? Yes. <laughs> I say that this one works for me for relationships, for life, for, for leadership, for work, for gym. I always say that I attract, I don't chase. That's my mantra. That's my leadership mantra. Nice. I like it. <laughs> and I have lots of mantras and lots of affirmations, but I do say that one fairly often. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do I love about RLE? Um, I love the idea of bringing together who you are and what you do. Um, and I think people can become, become very consumed with what they do in terms of their role and their identity through their job title and I think it's really sad when we disconnect with ourselves our true selves and when we can't bring that to to work to the table as well so it fascinates me that you can delve into you know your leadership presence and your awareness your self-awareness awareness others and balance that with being an incredible leader in terms of what it is you actually do on a daily basis too. I think it's about also, like you're saying, a holistic approach to leadership. I feel like a lot of other leadership programs out there focus a lot on the practical elements of leadership and not really this, like the qualities that you need to have. I think NPQSL and NPQH do now have an ethical leadership and leadership behaviours element to it but it's very brief I feel a bit like yes a I've bit heard of a, this a bit of a nod to it and it shouldn't be a nod it be the absolute backbone and golden thread um and I'm quite excited actually because heads up for head teachers are starting to work with some of the MPQ providers uh to work on their well-being and their sort of emotional support element because as I said I mentioned we we do campaign for better support for head teachers but that really needs to be there from the start doesn't it um, that element of support and well-being and understanding yourself from the offset and understanding yourself as a leader as well I, I, I feel like the leadership presence element is really powerful mm. for, for leaders to understand and school leaders in particular I think because it is it's a vacation for teachers and, and leaders isn't it and it's about that you know your intentions and that you're in service to other people and I think it it can help 
when you when we talk about sort of toxic environments and the high stakes accountability I think it can help you to bring you back round to your your purpose and your and, and your values can't it when you think about those facets of leadership mm-hmm. presence yeah absolutely I think a lot of the work of RLE really draws people back into why am I doing what I'm doing you know absolutely and I always find it fascinating that those people that are really strong in-service leaders often aren't displaying the leadership behaviors to look after themselves very often because they're so devoted and committed to serving their their children their teams their organizations that they're forgetting about themselves yet people see them as people who are able to you know or or perhaps very good at self-care and that's often not the reality at all and that comes up so regularly in but I think both the group coaching that I do and the one-to-one coaching that I do is that you're giving so much of yourself to other people because that's the sort of people that we are. We want to help other people. We want to look after other people. We neglect ourselves. Yeah. Uh, But we all, you know, we use that phrase all the time, don't we? Self-care is not selfish yet people people are not so good at looking after themselves but I think this is because the job you know education is very demanding and you do need to give a lot to the job don't you there's always a lot to do I don't know a head teacher that ever gets through a to-do list you know because there's always stuff coming in so there's something about being at peace with that as well isn't there um you know you can only do as much as you can do only so much reserves but what you can do for your reserves is all the intentional well-being stuff to keep you keep filling you up in terms of your well-being. You know, you can't keep pouring into others if you don't pour into yourselves and fill your own cup up, can you? And I think one of the key things to remember that I think leaders struggle with is that you do have a choice in it. You're making a choice to do that and a, a lot I think a lot of school leaders say I don't have any other choice this is the workload these are all the things that I've got to do mm-hmm. therefore I need to work x number of hours to do all those things and really struggle with the idea of mm-hmm. the fact that they are making a choice yeah well this is why they need a coach isn't it yes <laughs> so exactly you can have those conversations and somebody can say okay right how can we work together to make some small changes that are going to have a big impact for you just alleviating one or two things a week which you know people don't give themselves the permission to do things we put a lot of weight on what other people think and we wait for people to validate what we want to do and what we have an opinion on and so actually coaching gives you the permission to give yourself permission to do the things that you want to do it's amazing that you've said that because I did a coaching session just this afternoon and that was exactly it. There was like a, there was a light bulb moment where the person understood that they'd been, I think they'd been led by all those other things that they were thinking people were thinking about them and that all those external things and like focusing so much on the external that they were ignoring all the things that are internal that actually coaching brings out because when you get that space to say and that person said that I actually did that really well and somebody else and then you're hearing that and you can feed back to them are you hearing this that yeah you know you you're actually you know these things yeah but and, and I think coaching is an opportunity to sort of like sometimes people there's a real people know they're good but they don't want to say it either people yes, know they're like so like you know I know I'm good I know I'm good I'm, I'm know I'm good but am I good am I good you gotta be good everybody's there <laughs> yeah this is what I say you know it's no mean feat stepping into headship or leadership isn't it you've got to be an incredibly talented individual to do that in the first place so let's give some recognition to that and you know that's one of the strategies that we use when we're looking at self-limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome let's have a think about the achievements that you've had over the last six months 12 months that you haven't celebrated that you haven't even noticed because they're there and we're not talking about you know groundbreaking 
you know, trophies for this and awards for that. I'm talking about the interactions that you have with your children, the, you know, the, the curriculum that you've put in place, that, you know, whatever it might be, it needs celebrating because, you know, you are worthy of being there and you are adding value and you are making a difference. You just don't see it. it I think that the difficulty comes sometimes, doesn't it, that I don't know if it's more of a feminine thing that the the idea of humility and being humble and not mm. not being perceived to be arrogant and I think that's something that I don't I don't like to say female leaders or those who identify as female leaders mm. struggle with more but I think I think they they do and I think, I think there's a did. real there's um, a real push and pull isn't there between yeah yeah we are brought up to, to behave in certain ways as females you know yeah. that's undeniable we're expected to be modest we're expected to be humble and you know leadership requires leadership skills not particularly masculine leadership skills you know we can add real value by doing things in in the way that we prefer to do them and I, I hate prescribing you know the terms masculine or feminine to leadership behaviors because there are great leadership behaviors and there are poor ones neither of which are particularly masculine or feminine and I think we can probably learn a lot from from the behaviors of both genders there um very individual way of leading isn't it but um nobody wants to be nobody wants to be to be perceived as being arrogant or cocky do they I think that's <laughs> No, and quite rightly so, because it's not a very nice behaviour. No, it's not. Um, but you can be confident and assertive. And this is the difference, isn't it? You know, there is a difference between arrogance and confidence. Uh, you know, often when a man is confident, that is perceived as confidence. If a woman is confident, it's often perceived as arrogance. You know, that's that's something that we do face as female leaders rather a lot, unfortunately. Um doesn't stop me being confident or assertive <laughs> and saying what needs to be said no no we've just learned to do it with humility but it still has an impact and that that's I think that's the important thing isn't it being confident with humility and and recognizing that you can have elements of both it's not either or like being humble doesn't mean that you can't be confident and assertive at the same time and it's being able to strike a balance between the two isn't it yeah absolutely it's you know I really value humility I think it's a really lovely quality and I'm always drawn to people that can do that and I think it's a real skill when you can give feedback that's difficult with humility or you can be modest about your achievements but you could still celebrate them and champion them and speak up for yourself um it's not an easy process. I certainly don't find it easy, but when you bring it back to your values and your core values, I think we find that it's easier. And I think the mantras can help you to develop that sense of, you know, your confident self, can't they? I think that's one of the things that I really like about the RLE is developing those mantras and using them to give you that com that confidence to go and maybe just be a bit more mm -hmm. assertive. Yeah, and of course the mantras are rooted in truth and strength, aren't they? So you know yourself well, you look at your strengths, you look at those and think, okay, this is how I'm going to develop a mantra. This is going to be my affirmation. This is going to be my new narrative. And I'm going to draw on that when it's um, when the, the going gets tough. So what exciting things have you got in the pipeline? What do you want to oh. share with us that you've got coming up? Okay, well, exciting stuff for Heads Up for Head Teachers first. Then we are, as I mentioned, we are working with some MPQ providers um, on their wellbeing elements um, of, the, of the program. So that's exciting. We have got so many local authorities that are reaching out to us who want us to work with their head teachers because they are being intentional about their support, which is great. So I'm going to be a very busy coach between now and Christmas working with, I think we've got about 10 new local authorities joining us, which Amazing. is super exciting. Well, it's just the more people that we can support in terms of yeah. emotional wellbeing, the better and the better for their communities too. 
So that's exciting. Um, on the other side of things, uh, myself and Hannah Wilson are running a soulful leadership program, uh, which starts in October. And so we're looking for about 10 or 12 people to join us on a journey, which is a sort of a combination really of coaching and professional development but that's all focused around the resilient leaders elements so that's super exciting and we want people to realize that actually like we were talking about Vicky you can be a soulful leader you can be a purposeful leader without feeling like you've got to be something that you're not Um, so that's what that's all about so I'm quite excited for that uh, in October too. Yeah, I love that. That sounds brilliant. I would have loved to be able to join something like that when I was a school leader. So yeah, I me just too. can't encourage people enough to to join things like that. So where can people find you? Where can they sign up for these things? Well, I have a website which is uh, live love learn lead co.uk and all of the coaching programs that I offer on there and you can also find uh, all the information about the heads up coaching on the heads up for head teachers website which is heads up for head teachers.co.uk and we're all over twitter as well so you can find us uh, on there as well and do you do you have a personal twitter account that you like yeah, to engage with yeah, absolutely. I'm always tweeting about this and that. Um, so my uh, handle is at Mrs. Katie Smith. And you'll find I have an Insta account, I have a Twitter account, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. <laughs> oh, you do everything. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's been brilliant to talk to you. I'm just, I love, I love the work that you're doing. And, you know, the more people who get to know about it and can you know, engaging it the better. So thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I absolutely loved that interview with Kate. She talks with just so much knowledge and passion about intentional well-being and the importance of what nourishes you as a person or a leader recognizing and understanding that. And that's part of the self-awareness that I've talked about before in other episodes and taking responsibility for doing those things. So knowing what you need, knowing what brings you joy, knowing what keeps you well, knowing what keeps you fit and healthy and happy and going out and doing those things, even on a school night. Go to the cinema on a school night. I've said this before, haven't I? Go and do some. go bowling on a school night. Do something that you enjoy. Don't be constrained by thinking that when it's when it's term time you can't go out on a school night go away for the weekend in term time go and do things have fun and enjoy yourself but also when you're in work know the things that bring you joy if that's connecting with people get out of your office and go and chat to people connect with people relationships are so so important in schools and organisations. Building relationships is the key to successful school improvement. That's where it all starts in the relationships. So go out there, connect with people, talk to people, talk to the children, go and see what's happening, go and look at the learning that's going on, go and enjoy being in a school environment. Because like Kate said, every day in a school is full of wonder and joy. There's so much going on. So Go out there and find the things that you love, find the things that nourish you. As Andy Buck said in his interview, whatever brings you joy, go out there and find those things and do it. And I think she reminded us as well about the importance of not being worried about the opinions of other people. Because like Kate says, when you worry about what other people think all the time, you hold yourself back or you prevent yourself from being as well as you possibly can be and then when you're thinking about others and their judgment of you it holds you back and you don't you can't be what you want to be so you have to lead yourself first and do what you know is right for you and she reinforces as well that the importance of being yourself being truly authentic and leading from your values and how that can really contribute to your well-being and being intentional in that, knowing what your values are and making sure that you that you live and work by those values and that you are true to those values and 
if you can do that, you will be more content, you will be happier and you will have much better well-being. So if you want to find out about any of the work that I do, I do have a couple of places left on the Women Lead Well group coaching programme that starts at the end of January. And that is a transformational programme. So if you'd like to find out more about that, you can either email me, it's Vicky, V-I-C-K-I, at weleadwell.co.uk, or you can visit the website, which is www.weleadwell.co.uk. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you next time. So take care of yourself, take care of your staff and lead well. This episode of the We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with Progressive Masculinity and headteacherchat.com.